Right, I'm really excited about uh, what's happening next. Um, I, we've uh, just to the context is we've had five weeks of uh, working, work, walking through Philippians, and we've had people who don't normally get to preach uh, to receive training and spend time with uh, different elders and uh, be prepared to come and share. And I've heard some of the teachings. I haven't heard all, but every single one I've been in has, has ministered to me and has blessed me and I've been uh, encouraged and I've taken stuff away. And, I'm, and I've just, God is using these guys, you know. Um, and so the Bible says that he that receives a prophet as a prophet receives a prophet's reward. That's really about faith and hearing and really expecting God to speak to us this morning. So I'm excited that Doug is going to come and share with us this morning. Let's welcome Doug. <laughs> Doug. You know, uh, Doug, Doug, Doug is a gentleman with a real leadership anointing upon him. He has God's anointing on him in his life. He's part of the site team in the East, um, and he's preached uh, already in the East, and I wasn't there. So I'm really looking forward to this morning, um, continuing the series in Philippians. Um, no pressure. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Doug, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be here. It's really weird being at the West um, after about 20 months, I think, now of not actually being here on a Sunday morning. So um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Doug. I, um, yeah, I'm part of the host team over in the um, East, and yeah, it's great to be here. What I want to talk about a bit this morning is uh, running the race for the goal set before us. Um, I want to share a bit of my experience of running. I know I don't look like I run, but I used to. And when I was at university, I had a goal where I wanted to run a half marathon. So it's around about 21 kilometers. I was a complete beginner, and I knew just getting on a treadmill uh, and trying to run 21 kilometers was not going to happen. Um, so I set a goal. I was like, okay, I'm going to run five kilometers. I followed a program called Couch to 5K. Um, and within a couple of months, I was able to run a five-kilometer race in less than 30 minutes, which to me, I was impressed with. So um, what I realized, though, was that my shoes weren't that great. They fit, but they weren't the best for how I was running. Uh, so I went to a professional running shop and got better tools for the trade. I then drew my next line in the sand, and I was like, okay, what's next? So I thought, okay, 10 kilometers, that's, that's the next achievement, double, double what I'm doing already. So um, within another couple of months, I was able to run 10 kilometers in, I think it was just less than an hour, it was about 57 minutes. Um, and sure, <laughs> sure there were. Um, there were times where you know, I'd be ill and wouldn't want to run, or I just didn't have the motivation, so kind of hurdles, but... The important thing was always looking forward, keeping my eye on what my goal was, which was to run a half marathon. However, I then got injured. Um, my knees bend the wrong way, which I won't go into, but um, they always have, which makes me more prone to injury. And um, as a result, I had to stop running. I had to go through physiotherapy and basically learn how to walk better, uh, let alone run. So um, the result of that, though, was that I felt that my joy had been robbed from me, something that I'd spent months, almost a year, aiming towards had, had been taken from me. And that was horrible. Um, but maybe not all of you relate to running. Uh, maybe not all of you do it. But I think we can all relate to what running a race is. And what I want to share this morning is um, the race that Paul tells us to run in Philippians, 4, uh, in Philippians 3 to 4, 1. 
which is what we'll be looking at. So if you've got your Bible, it's probably a good time to, to look it up. But before I dig into the message, I think what's really important is to get an understanding of what joy actually is. I said I felt that I was robbed of joy. And joy is an important thing when we're reading Philippians as a whole. It's, it's an overarching theme of the letter. Um, it's mentioned 14 times, joy and rejoice. Um, the passage we're reading through isn't particularly about joy, but it's important to read it with a mindset of joy. Within the Bible, joy is translated from the Greek kara, which is a deep-set certainty and knowledge of being found in God. It's not about being happy. Happiness, on the other hand, translates from makarios, which is, a, roughly speaking, the blessing we get from, from joy. It's like the outward working of joy. Um, so it's just worth holding those things in your head as we read. But um, I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible, which is a fairly new translation, but I like it. So um, I'm just going to read the whole thing. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs, watch out for the evil workers, and watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for it, Um, confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered as loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, But I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever the truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross. Their end is their destru- uh, their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are f- focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. So I kind of want to talk a bit about first um, the significance that the church in Philippi had to Paul. So Paul wrote this letter when he was in prison, and essentially he was able to stay alive in prison, not because of some welfare scheme like we have in the UK, but purely because of the gifts from churches, and in particular the church in Philippi. 
He cared a lot for them, and they were a source of joy for him when he was um, in prison. Paul also uses really emotive words when he's talking about the um, church and the Judaizers. So the Judaizers were people who were trying to bring in Jewish customs to the church and and make our walk and our faith about um, the works that we do and not our faith in Jesus. To create a parallel, Paul refers to them as dogs, which was a culturally difficult and harmful word. It was stigmatized. Um, He calls them mutilators of the flesh. But then when he talks about the church, he elevates them and he calls them his crown, his joy, his dearly longed for brothers and sisters. He's putting the church up here and the people who are trying to bring in Jewish customs down here. It's really important to see that because it's not about because Paul wants the church to know that he cares that they understand that the message is that their salvation is from their faith in Jesus and not their works. To miss this would miss the point of the gospel. He also calls the church his crown, and the significance of this is that he sees them as his reward. He's invested so much into the church in Philippi, and actually in order to... um, to understand how much he cares for them. It's not just that he's fond of them. He really loves them. In Nehemiah 8.10, we read that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And for Paul, the church was his joy and his strength because of what he'd invested. And seeing them succeed in their walks with Christ was what kept him going. Something else that I want to touch on is um, when Paul talks about actually the works that he was doing. And he's really trying to hammer home that actually our walk with Christ is not about the works we do. Sure, our works are important, but they are an outworking and a response to the love that we have from Jesus. It is not something that is a requirement for our salvation. That that is in uh, in our faith. And Paul does this by saying, you know, by Jewish standards, he is the creme de la creme. He is the best. But actually, all of that is for loss. You know, he says dung. It's it's quite a, again, a strong word. Um, We could probably think of stronger words. Um, But then he does this to say, actually, look, our faith is the most important thing. And then he goes on to say what the goal is. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So there's three components to this that I want to touch on. There's knowing Jesus. There is um, knowing the power of his resurrection, sharing his suffering, and being conformed to his death. That's the second one. And the final one is assuming the resurrection. I think what's been really cool this morning is how much we've just been talking about knowing Jesus, like the songs we've been singing, the messages that people have been bringing. It's been really great, and it's such an important thing. Simply put, knowing Jesus is having him at the core of our very being, is building our lives on him as the rock, knowing that he is our source of joy, You know that we are securing God because we are securing him. That's where our joy comes from, the, the word kara. It means putting to death the things of the world that we find our pride in. You know, this could be our career status, our wealth, the size of our house, the clothes that we wear. It's to count all those things as loss for the surpassing value that is Jesus. If we understand this, we will really get to grips with our joy. And the consequence of not getting this is humongous. Paul knew that if the church didn't get to grips with the fact that salvation is by faith, they would just miss the point of the gospel. And he despised this so much. Of course, serving is important, but it's an, out, it's an outworking of the joy that we have in Christ. 
In regards to the second component of knowing the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, and being conformed to his death, the first part is knowing about the resurrection and the power that we get from that. It's the fact that we can do all things through Christ. It is an outworking of the Holy Spirit that comes from the right hand of the Father, and it is things such as words of knowledge, wisdom, healing, even our faith. You see, suffering, the next bit, is a result of bearing witness to Christ in a fallen world. It's about making costly decisions for the sake of his glory and being conformed in this to his death. When I was thinking about the second component of sharing in Christ's suffering with the first one, of being joyous and by knowing Christ, it felt jarring and it didn't feel like good news. And I think that's because I was carrying a perception of kind of the English definition of joy. The point is, it's not easy, and we won't get to grips with what it is to be joyous unless we see Christ through a heavenly perspective. The reality is that persecution for our faith is a reality. You know, Paul was in jail. Uh, Jesus himself tells his disciples to take up their cross and follow him, ultimately to die to themselves. But the result of that is that they will be joyous. They will have certainty. For me, one thing that I used to find a massive area of suffering and it's still quite difficult for me is I feel that God is calling me to be single and celibate pretty much for the rest of my life. That's, um, that doesn't match up with what I grew up thinking. You know, I grew up thinking I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to have a conventional family. To not have that took some work with God and for various reasons he's calling me into that but, and there is a but and there is joy to this for me. I am freed up to say yes to the things that God is calling me into more than I think I would be if I was in a relationship. I'm able to invest in my friends and my family more than I possibly would and say yes to them too. God has blessed me with community as well. You know, I may not have family in the conventional sense that I grew up thinking, but I have such a strong family and so many of you are my family. You see, there is a cost to following Jesus, but ultimately it is worth it. But then, why is it worth it? Why would we do it? You know, you wouldn't run a race if you didn't know where the finish line was. You wouldn't run a race if you didn't know what the prize was. The third component is that we who suffer with Christ will attain the resurrection. That is our reward. In 1 Peter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says that this reward is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. We are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This church is our joy, is our um, kara, it is our certainty in Christ. We will attain the resurrection if we put our faith in Jesus. So if that's the goal and we're to run the race, actually, how do we do that? What are some practical things that we can do? Well, in verse 9, as I've said quite a few times now, Paul hammers home the point that our salvation is in Christ. It is not in our works. But it's a journey, and I think we've got to see it as a journey. Um, I often think of it a bit like a hurdle race. You know, we're running, we've got hurdles that we're jumping over. Those hurdles are our temptations, the things that we want to choose rather than choosing God. There will be times that we are jumping over these hurdles, and there will be times that we're tripping up. Paul himself, who we see as the great apostle, you know, we, we could often almost idolize the fact that he was perfect. He, he says he's not perfect. And I think that's really key and gives us grace as well. 
He says that the Spirit will reveal in us areas that we're not perfect as well, so don't think that you are perfect. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, the, result of the, the ultimate truth is that we live in a fallen world. Um, we won't get things right. We will prioritize things of the world, and we won't always put Jesus first. There will be times that we will have to come to the cross and repent for that. But that is a process called sanctification. It is not anything to do with our salvation. Our salvation is secure, and it's important that we realize that as well. Striving towards this goal is something that we are to hunger for, and it is something that we are to run the race for. We've got to see it as a marathon. It's not a 100-meter sprint. We're not just going to arrive at the finish line. It's something that we've got to prepare for. It's something that we've got to train for, get the right tools. Paul has some great wisdom for this as well when he says, uh, don't focus on what's behind, just keep looking ahead. Um, I'd like to add to that as well, and don't look to the left and right, don't look at the distractions, just keep your eyes fixed on the goal. He also says that we are to imitate our leadership. So, elders, um, you've got a nice job there. (laughs) Um, But also that we're to keep our eyes on one another as well, who also imitate the leadership. And actually in Galatians, it says to carry one another's burdens, and in this way we will fulfill the law of Christ. By keeping our eyes on one another, Paul is saying here that we are not to do this alone. We are to do this walk and race in community. To do it alone, as Ziki shared, is really difficult. You know, you may have your family around you, but if you haven't got your brothers and sisters supporting you, it's, it's tough. Paul finishes this passage with a command to stand firm in the faith. Paul wanted the church to stand firm, hold true to the gospel. You know, there are times in our lives that can feel really turbulent, times where life is getting in the way, and actually we feel like we're in a real storm. However, we are to build our lives on the rock that is Jesus. This is the first and foremost thing we need to do. In Matthew 7, we hear about the wise man who built his house upon the rock. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. That rock is Jesus. We are to build our lives on him at our core. He is our firm and stable foundation. Just like training for a marathon is a journey, so is our race to to run towards Christ. Um, As I shared in my story, I had to think of ways that I was going to meet my goal. I think the same is true for us. We've got to um, do things that are practical, that will enable us to to run the race better. Um, Likewise, I also had really heavy shoes. I knew that I had to get light shoes that that would let me run better. We've got to be better equipped. I think some practical ways that we could do this introducing more regular quiet times in our lives, Uh, maybe picking up a new Bible study, Um, maybe joining a community group that we've been hearing about this morning. Actually, for me, that's the most important thing um, in terms of doing things in community. Yes, our relationship with God is important, but so is the togetherness of our brothers and sisters. I was personally stirred during the Let the Nations Be Glad series as well, when Donna kind of asked us to pray for our nations We've got quite a bit of religious freedom in the UK, not complete religious freedom. I'm not going to say that on record. Um, We know that doctors and nurses have lost their jobs for 
offering to pray for people in hospital. It would be foolish to think that we've got full religious freedom. But at the same time, we know that we won't be thrown in jail. That's not the case everywhere in the world. You know, it happened to Paul 2,000 years ago. It's happening today in places like Nepal. Uh, over in the east, we've got a huge Nepalese community, and they're, they're massively on my heart. Um, you can now get a five-year prison sentence for just talking about Jesus to somebody in Nepal and a fine of uh, £350, which is about a month's salary. This is still happening today, and I, I think we need to be called to pray for our brothers and sisters in persecuted churches. There's a community aspect to this that I've talked about as well. It's reminding somebody who they are in Christ. This could be on a Sunday morning. Um, also being intentional about asking how their walk with Christ is going. Maybe sending them a text during the week with some encouragement or some scripture you've been reading that actually you, you want to share with them. All of these things are really great tools. But at the same time, it works the other way. Like if you're in a season where you're struggling, know that you can reach out to your brothers and sisters, that you can share your burdens with them. It's so vital. They can point you towards Jesus. They can remind you that it's worth it. When I was thinking about this as well, I was um, thinking about how running the race relates to Gateway. And um, I saw a picture of us running a relay race. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar with a relay race, it's where somebody runs a bit, they pass a baton on, they carry on running. What I saw us doing in Gateway is the older generations, those who have been running the race for a long time, it may not be an age thing, it may just be a, a maturity thing in faith, passing on the baton to the next generation, passing on the lessons that they've learned, the things that they have known to be pitfalls, and saying, you know, watch out for this. I see us leading, uh, leaving a, generation, uh, a legacy behind long after we're gone when people are able to just carry on the race carry on running for us and um, I think there's so much that we can just share as a body of believers I think the other thing as well you know in, in Philippians Paul says that he hasn't finished the race but when he writes to Timothy shortly before his execution he says that he has run uh, he has finished the race and um, has kept the faith and I think you know how much of a blessing is that for us as well to know that we can just keep running, and actually when we, we know that we have run the race well um, when we approach our final days. This inspires me to keep running the race. It inspires me to encourage everyone here. It, encourage, it inspires me to just keep pointing one another to Christ and to know that Gateway is my joy and crown. And maybe some of you can say that too. Um, I'd like it if everyone could stand up if they're able to um, and probably invite the band up if that's all right. Um, When I was preparing for this, there were kind of two groups of people who I personally wanted to pray for. Um, The first group were people who don't know Jesus and that would like to know more. Um, They had this kind of idea of actually someone would be sat here kind of with their heart beating really fast and not really knowing what's going on. So if that's you, I'd love to speak to you. Um, The second group of people are those of us who feel like they're running out of energy in the race, that that want more energy to keep going. Maybe you're in a season of a real storm and um, you want prayer to be able to stand firm in that. Or maybe you just want more energy to carry on running. 
maybe you feel that life circumstances or even the church has, has created a barrier between you and the joy that you can get from God. It would be great to pray for you too. So as the band start worshipping, um, please just make your way up. Um, and yeah, we'd love to pray for you. Thanks, guys.